Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. My brother and I have been tasked with the esteemed privilege of bringing y'all a word from the heavens tonight. We know it's a word from the heavens because it has supernaturally been transforming our lives. Amen. To start, let us tell you that our pastors already did an incredible job on Sunday transmitting the message that God has consecrated what we often assign as Nabal, words like obstinate. Y'all say obstinate. obstinate. Hard-headed. Hard-hearted. Hard Defiant. Defiant. Rebellious. Rebellious. Stubborn. Stubborn. Is there anyone who missed that on Sunday? It's okay. Look, these are traits that have been perverted by our common enemy, Satan, as well as our very own flesh. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God, is a warrior. Better yet, he's a man of war. And we're taking it back tonight. We're going to rise up in these kinds of characteristics and take our stand and push back against the rulers of the air. Saints, there's a man named Desmond Doss. He fought, he fought in World War II. He was an Army combat medic. He served as a conscientious objector, and he was known for standing upon deep biblical convictions, and he received the Medal of Honor for rescuing 75 wounded soldiers, never having carried or fired a weapon. Y'all say it one more time. Y'all say it one more time, Lord. One more time, Lord. Listen, tonight, that's the kind of attitude that we want to have. Yeah. One more time, Lord. Tonight, our mission is to pour out our hearts as God has moved upon us and call us to his side so that we can join him in his war campaign. Let's jump right into scripture. Y'all ready it. to go with us? Let's turn to 1 Samuel 16 and let's read verse 18 in the ESV. It says, one of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor. Can y'all say a man of valor? A man of valor. A man of war. Come on. Prudent in speech and a man of good presence. And the Lord was with him. This was David's reputation. This is how the other Israelites referred to him in front of King Saul. Yeah. This was a man who was known to be a man of good presence. Yeah. A man of valor and a man of war. Can y'all say a man of war? A man of war. Hey, Tara Hewitt, that kind of describes Nolan up here, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, it does. You know it does. I see you blushing. <laughs> hey, let's jump back into another scripture in the Older Testament. We're going to start right in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Sound booth, we're going to be in the ESV the majority of the night. Y'all say man of war is y'all turn there. Man of war. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Saints, does that sound like total dominion? Does it sound like God put his character inside of a man? Yes, he did. 
God created man in his own image. He didn't just create a man and tell that man to go and walk and be however he wanted to be. He was made in the very image of the living God. So we're not going to go back over the points from Sunday, but this is a necessary subject to recall. We are created in the image and likeness of our Father. Do you think God cares about his image and his likeness? Yeah, we do. Do you think he cares when his image and likeness is being distorted and twisted and perverted? Yes. I think he cares very much. I think that kind of behavior is what causes the man of war to rise up off of his throne and go to war. He is a man of war because war has been waged on his kingdom. But the original command for man was to rule and reign on this earth. Saints, before sin ever entered the world into man, the man was given the command to rule and to reign in the image and likeness of God. Y'all remember on Sunday that we are learning, we are growing in the revelation that we're called to be obstinate, hard-hearted. We just mentioned it, but that is the very theme of tonight. There is a obstinance towards the things of this world, and there is a pliability towards the things of God that we're going to grow in tonight. Everybody turn to Mark 12, 14. And as you go there, say, man of war. They came to him. And said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed. Can someone say, I'm not swayed. I'm not swayed. By others. Because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy said, why are you trying to trap me? He asked, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription is this? Caesar's, they replied. Mm. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Can y'all say, we're made in the image and likeness of our father. And they were amazed at him. We know this passage well. We know that Jesus is pointing to his fellow brothers to what it really matters. Walking in the image and likeness of our Father. Amen. Does someone want to walk out of here different tonight? I Does do. someone want to walk out of here more in the image of your Father than Come you on. ever have? Come on. They, they're amazed because they haven't seen this in a while. Those, uh, the, the other men that were speaking with, with Jesus, they were amazed because they haven't seen this in a while. They haven't seen this maybe ever in their life. A man of God who was also a man of war. Come on. Jesus' sole purpose was to bring his brothers back to his father. Yeah. So look, they're trying to trap him, right? They're trying to oppress him. They're trying to cause him to crumble. And they're trying to trick him. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Here, come here, let me show you how little this is. Whose image is this? What image were you created in? Okay, give back to Caesar what belongs to him and give back to God what belongs to him. He's telling his brothers, rise up in the mighty image of your father and walk in that likeness. Saints, they were amazed because nobody had ever spoken to them like that. Think about what that means for the world around us if we stand up in that same attitude. Come on. We're going to move on to Isaiah 
chapter 36, and we're going to talk about the opposition that we face. We're going to talk about what it looks like to have an enemy right on our doorstep. We're going to pick up in verse 9 in the ESV. This is the NLT, actually. Shout out. This is Elder the NLT. Charlie. So, verse 9 says, With your tiny army, how can you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops, even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers? Notice how the enemy here is trying to minimize who the people of God are and what God has spoken to them. Saints, right off the jump, we're going to tell you right now, this is probably one of the biggest oppositions that we face in our life. The lie that we are too little, we are too weak, we are not enough. He's calling what God has given Hezekiah tiny, itty bitty. You are little. We're big. He's calling them small and weak. But guess what? This isn't a shock to us. We learned on Sunday from Deuteronomy 9 that God already told the people the, na- the places you are going to dispossess, the nations that you're going to dispossess, they are greater. They are mightier than you. So this should be no surprise. But these are the kinds of manipulations and intimidation that the enemy will use to try to deceive you and get you off track. So our pastors hit on this on Sunday. And the Lord had already spoken clearly that our enemy physically is greater. It is mightier. Trust me, saints, this isn't a war against flesh and blood. The enemy can't threaten us with things that's already true, and God already said it. We should should let this sink in. When these lies, they come in as lies, but it's actually something God has already said. But it's getting twisted and perverted, and it becomes a deception. This is a solid truth that we would do well to remember when facing threatening taunts of the enemy. Let's look at the next verse. Let's look at verse 10. This is the enemy trying to intimidate us and manipulate us. What's more, do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us, attack this land and destroy it. This reminds us of uh, Psalm 73 verse 9. They are claiming things that Hezekiah actually had. The enemy tries to claim things that belong to us. He tries to offer us an alternative. Mm. Psalm 73 verse 9 says, Their mouths, our fears mouths, their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. That's what the enemy tries to do to us. The enemy is claiming to have heard from the same God. And it's just not true. Those are internal enemies. So, the internal enemy that we're facing, because there's not a uh, troop of uh, an army standing outside the door waiting for us to walk outside like it was literally in Hezekiah's day. We're talking about internal enemies right now. Lies like, I've failed before, and I'm going to fail again, so why try? No. Boo. You can say boo. Boo. But it happens. They rise up. We know it. Lies like... Your identity is diminishing because you stumbled again. Oh, hell yes, no. Yes, come on. That, that, that is an appropriate response. Lies like, it's okay for me to give way to compromise. No. Boo. The deception that if we accommodate to what the enemy is saying, then maybe the enemy will accommodate to 
what we have to say. Maybe we can barter with the enemy a little bit and exchange some things. Look at verse 11. This is an accommodation. Can y'all say an accommodation? Accommodation. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Assyrian chief of staff, Please speak to us in Aramaic, for we understand it well. Don't speak in Hebrew, for the people on the wall will hear. Your, our brothers will hear. Asking the enemy to take it easy on you, to, to speak a different language. He's just, he's not even saying, stop attacking us, or I refute you, or I stand where God has called me to stand. He's saying, speak to us in a different language. That, that can never refute our enemy. Our enemy is obstinate, but we have been made more obstinate and been given a forehead that is more obstinate than our enemy. Do you all see that in this passage, though? It, I mean, we, we've gone over this before. It, this may not be something new that we've heard, but it's certainly a new revelation to us and yeah. how we can be willing to make accommodations. We can be willing to compromise because we want to just deal with this in secret. We don't want it to, to spread out and then to, to cause fear everywhere else. We, we, can, we can deal with this if, if you just talk to me in another language so that nobody else hears the kind of threats and taunts and, and mockery that you're speaking. Saints, Genesis 4-7 says, sin is a crouching lion at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master, master it. it. That is not accommodation. That is putting it under your foot, and that is the attitude that is needed. So... Let's turn to Isaiah 37 and verse 14 and talk about what must be done. I'll say what must be done. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Saints, one thing that's key when you are facing oppression, when you are facing taunts, internal and external, is to acknowledge, yes, this is here, Okay. Acknowledge, especially if you've accepted that and, and went through a progression like we just talked about of wanting to accommodate and compromise. But look, what we must do once we recognize that this is sinful is we spread it out before the Lord. Because truthfully, the enemy doesn't really care about us being defeated. He's trying to make a mockery of the God of heaven. He's trying to make a mockery of our Father, and he's doing it by throwing slander, by throwing taunts on the image of God inside of us. That is something we must stand up to. Look at Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, and how he responds to taunts like these. Mm. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? Come on. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes, they are fixed on you. Yes. Meanwhile, all Judah bef stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Guess who's watching, saints? Oh, come on. Guess who's watching our life? Our little ones, our wives, our children, and you know what else? Our brothers. Yeah. So in uh, verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 20, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, 
Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at, this, at the great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Saints, we must recognize as we are spreading this out before the Lord that we need prophecy. We need men to stand up and prophesy. When we have a fear, we need that prophecy that says, do not be discouraged. There is a man of war who fights for you, and he is raising you up to be a man of war. The battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up to you at the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Saints, we love this. Because just in the same pattern as Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat does the exact same thing. There is an enemy on his doorstep. And he doesn't know what to do. He's very honest about that. But he fixes his eyes on the Lord. He looks to the one and who gave it, who created him in his image, and he says, help me to reflect your image. I don't know what to do right now, but my eyes are upon you. Lord, I am laying this out before you. Help me. And the Lord sends a man of God by the spirit of the Lord to prophesy. Saints, how desperately do we need a man to prophesy? We do. A man of God. When we humble ourselves by spreading out before our God, he sends his spirit to lift us up. God literally revealed to them exactly what the battle was going to look like. Have you read this and realized that? He's telling them, hey, this is where they're going to come up. This is where you can go and watch them come up. And guess what? Stand firm in your position, and I am going to show you how this battle is won today. He is giving them the battle plans. It went, when, you, when we spread out before God what is opposing us, he shows us exactly how we need to stand up. He gives us exactly what is needed, how to face our enemy every single time. And I can tell you right now, you can't rely on how you did it before. You must spread it out before the Lord again and again and again so that he can show you what is the battle plan for this situation. He doesn't need us, but he wants us to join him in the battle. He tells them to stand firm. Why? Because it wasn't enough for them to stand in the camp and him go and do the fighting. They needed to see how he was going to win the battle. They needed to join in. They do join in the battle. Yes, an angel of the living God comes down and slays them. But he, the the, uh, Jehoshaphat and the people then join as they're praising and worshiping and the people are killing each other. Jehoshaphat joins in the battle and begins to kill the rest of them. So look, what does this look like in our lives, right? Because again, we're not fighting a physical war. We're not fighting a physical army. Though who knows, that might happen one day. What this looks like in my life is, my entire family is sick right now. Come on, Spence. My workload is overwhelming, and I feel like I'm drowning. God, you said this, but this is all I can see or hear right now. Or why is this happening all at once? It's not enough for it to just be one thing. It's all compounding right now. God, how long is this going to last? Look. When I am facing these kinds of taunts and this kind of opposition, it's imperative for me and it's imperative for you to spread it out before the Lord. God, this is what it is right here where we are acknowledging it, but we're not doing it in such a way that we're cowering in fear. We're asking God, what do we do right now? How do we face this? This 
This includes a bold transparency so that a man of God can prophesy into our lives. Saints, when we actually say, this is what I'm struggling with right now, I'm fighting, but brother, I need it. It gives a brother an opportunity to prophesy into our life and tell us, do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. The spirit of the living God will come upon you and mark you as a man of war. What this looks like in my life is if I give everything all the time with all of my heart fighting for others, will my family make it? Or will they get burned in the process? I have to lay that out before the Lord. Every single time I sacrifice, every single time we go the extra distance. But Lord, I barely have faith to believe in my own transformation for myself. How can I have faith that he would do it in my wife, my sons, or my brothers? Sons of God that are in front of me. I have to believe enough for myself and for them. God, I lay that out before you right now. My feelings of having failed in the past defining my future. Will I actually be able to rise up as a battle-hardened saint, a warrior for God, and risk my life, sacrifice my time and my, 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 my resources? Ultimately see what God has promised come about in my brother's lives and in my own. This I'm laying out before the Lord. Come on, Noli. <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> Noski. See, I merged that there. <laughs> all right. I didn't mean to do that. It's all good. Look, let me tell you something. All right. We're spreading it out before the Lord. There's a reason. This is a progressive message. Okay. There's steps here. There's a reason why we spread it out before the Lord. Because... The enemy's not just after us, okay? Like we said, the enemy desires to make a mockery of God and to, to treat his word as a lie. But it, it is also, he's coming after our brothers. When, when we are, give way to the threats and the taunts, when we give way to things that may actually happen to us, physical attacks, demonic attacks, if we give way to that fear, that now just made could make another brother or sister live in fear too. Why is this happening? Who's it going to happen to next? Uh, we, we should do things differently here. Saints, it is imperative that we stand up and walk as a man of war and bear the image of God because it matters for our brothers to walk in the same way. So we're going to keep going in Isaiah 36 and verse 12 in the ESV. But Rab Shekha said, has my master sent me to speak these words to your, to your master and to you and not to the men sitting on the wall who are doomed with you to eat their own dung and drink their own urine? Okay, yeah. so this is obviously coming right after the verse 11 where they're saying, please don't speak to us in Hebrew. Speak to us in Aramaic. And they're like, hold on. Everybody needs to hear this. This is the enemy. Everybody needs to be living in fear. They're going to eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Let me tell you something. This kind of taunt irks us. It, it really irks us. us. It moved us when we we're reading this. Not because it's vulgar, though it is. It's a fact that it's, it's the fact that it's aimed at our brothers also. Hey, this isn't just for you to hear. I'm not just trying to cripple you with fear. I'm trying to cripple everybody around you. That should move you. 
That should move you to, to a fiery zeal. That should move you with a righteous indignation to say, God, I am spreading this out before you. Come and move in me that I would rise up over this fear and that my brother would not give way to it. It's easy for us to sometimes just let things roll off our back, right? But what about when it's aimed to strike fear in our brothers as well? Look, this is part of the enemy's scheme. If he can't get you with manipulation, he's going to try to get you with intimidation. And saints, we have to be aware of this. We're going to move on to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to walk through David's life here in this same theme of uh, that the enemy is not just after us, but after our brothers and why we must take a stand. So verse 28 of uh, 1 Samuel 17 says, Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. So to start, his eldest brother stood against him. Like, this is just one, and y'all know this story really well, and we've recently gone over. This is like level one of obstinance and something standing in David's way from actually encouraging and strengthening his brothers. The second thing is he, he insulted him, you know. Why have you come down? With whom have you left those few sheep in the desert? And he said his heart was evil and presumptuous. Wow. Was there anything evil or presumptuous about David's heart? Nope. David, you're just playing around. There was no play around inside of David. No. And there's no play around inside of us. So here's the problem. Eliab has already given way to fear. If he hadn't, he would have al already slayed Goliath. The problem is he already gave way to fear, and now he's trying to drag his brother down too. Yeah. Saints, that happens, truthfully. And sadly, it does happen when we do not rise up and face what's standing in front of us, throwing taunts at us. Goliath, he wasn't just aimed at one man. Though he said send one man out, he was trying to enslave the entire nation. And it looked like he was winning at the time. But look, David, he's a man of war, right? Y'all remember 1 Samuel 16? He's a man of war. Before he even faced Goliath, he was labeled as a man of war. And that is exactly who he is. Let's go to verse 30. And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. Saints, can way. I tell you, that's exactly how to be hard-headed right there. In a holy way. That is exactly what it looks like to be obstinate. Your brother is trying to cripple you with fear and trying to slander you. You're like, okay, turn to the next one. Hey, what's going on here? Because that enemy needs to go down. Paul, it was in the same way. Yeah. He's like, nothing's changed. I'm still going in this direction. He was unmoved in his stance toward the insults being cast toward his brothers who are the people of Israel. In David's mind and in any godly man's life, it was never about Eliab or David. It was about his brothers. Yes. It was. He was wanting to fight for his brothers. He said, These, this man has come out and defied the armies of the living God. Yes, he is standing up for his father, absolutely. And he also is looking around and saying, why is nobody doing anything right now? Saints, this must rise up inside of us. Amen. He could not accept the insults and taunts being flung toward his brothers. Look, in verse 33, Saul is now saying to him, you are not able to f go against the Phil this Philistine to fight with him. 
For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But guess what? David is a man of war as well. He's a man of war. Saul should have recognized because he was already told, look, here's a man of war. His name is David. He's a Bethlehemite. He's skillful. He's a man of valor. He should have recognized you are a man of war. Go out and fight him. We are all men of war. Let's all go out and fight him. Not only was David's eldest brother standing in the way of David fighting for his brothers, but now Saul is trying to put an obstacle in David's way. Verse but it doesn't stop there. Verse 37 says, And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you, because nothing is going to stand in your way if you are fighting for your brothers. He answers Saul with the fact that he was a man that has been fighting for his brothers. He had been. And he's going to continue to fight for his brother, brothers. And nothing is going to stand in his way. Not one obstacle, not two obstacles, not three. On the third day, I will reach my goal. Mm. Verse 43 says, And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Yes. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But look how David one-ups him. Oh, come on. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this come day on. to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. And that all this assembly may now know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. You know what I hear David saying here? Saul, I don't need your armor. We know that. Goliath, I don't need the same kind of weaponry that you have. By the hand of the Lord of hosts, you are going down today. And we don't want to make you our slaves. All of you are going down today. We know the rest of the story. David rushes to the battle line and his brothers join him in that. That is what we need in this place. Our growth in holy defiance, it's contagious. Can you feel that? Can you see, when you see it on a brother who says, I refuse to accept that. I refuse to go down today. It's contagious. You say, yeah, I'm going to fight with you, brother. I'm going to stand with you on this. You know why? Because I know that you're down to stand with me when I'm facing a battle. We're refuting the taunts of the enemy by spreading it out before the Lord. And we're doing it because we're fighting for our brothers. The enemy tries to propagate fear. But we're going to prof pro prophesy about the future, saints. The thing that God is doing inside of the men and women in this room is that there is, a, there is testing that has been happening. Has anybody been tested? Yes. Your metal has been tested, and the heat has been rising. Yeah. Let's turn to Luke 4, and let's look at our Messiah Jesus in his testing as he is being tested, whether or not he's going to be obstinate towards the things of God or not. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit 
in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread, Jesus answered. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. Come on. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and their splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Does that sound like uh, Sennacherib? It yeah. sounds like the very same ploys right there, right? Hey, look, come make peace with me. Come out to me. I'm going to give you your own vines and your own figs, and you can have your own cistern, and, and you can live in a good land. It sounds like the exact same thing, right? What is Jesus doing here? He Verse says seven. it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Saints, we know Satan is quoting scripture, but he's perverting it. He's twisting yeah. it the same way that Sennacherib was doing. But Jesus was refuting it with the sword of the word because the character of God was being embedded inside of him. Verse 13 says, and when the devil had finished all his, this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Saints, we, we've learned in Hebrews 5, 8, it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Saints, let me tell you right now, the testing is good for you. Pastor Nick said it on Sunday. We don't need to attribute every single attack as if it's from Satan. We need to understand the Lord is saying, I want him to be tested because I want to work my character in him. I want the world around that man to see. I want the world around Josiah Spites to see that he is marked with the image of God. I want the world around Joseph and Chris to know that those young men are marked with the image of God. So guess what? There's some suffering to go through to be perfected. Jesus was refuting every single taunt with the word of God. And we have to understand it is not about a physical war. It is spiritual and we must use the spiritual weaponry that we've been given. Jesus used the sword of the spirit to refute every enemy. You know what we're doing? We are cultivating the holy defiance it takes to go and conquer the land that God has actually called us to. Can y'all say, I wanna cultivate a holy defiance? I wanna cultivate a holy defiance. Let's look at Acts 4, 27. It says, for truly, in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Come on, somebody say, wow. wow. And now... Can y'all say, and now? And now! Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word of God with all boldness. Amen. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, can y'all say, and when they had prayed? And when they had prayed. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Come on. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Come on, saints. Do you love this passage? Yeah. Yeah. The context is that Peter and John were just released for speaking the word with great boldness. 
They went back and prayed so that they can speak the world, the, the word with great boldness again. Yes. Saints, this is what it looks like. That's what cultivating a holy defiance looks like. They know that they are being sent out to conquer the land. They're recognized, right, as unschooled, ordinary men. You can see how that would be uh, a taunt of the enemy, right? But they show a holy defiance after immediately being released from jail to say, Lord, look upon their threats. They're threatening us again, Lord. And grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Saints, this is what we need. Prayer is powerful. The whole place was shaken because they were unified as one people to say, Lord, mark us as men of war and cause us to go and speak your word with all boldness. That is necessary to accomplish God's will. Look at Galatians 2, verses 4 and 5. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment. Not even for a moment. We don't yield in submission to anything other than what God is calling us towards. So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for who? For you. It's preserved for those who are going to hear you preach the word of God to them. Come on. We refuse in this house to yield in submission to slavery ever again. To what the enemy is taunting us to do. What is the enemy taunting you to do? Tell him no. Tell him I'm going to stand. Tell him I won't back down ever again. I'm standing where God has told me to stand because I'm a son of God. Amen. Saints, Nolan has cultivated a holy defiance to go and conquer the land. Saints, we are doing that in this place. We want to tell you that you can do two things at once. I, I, I didn't think it was possible, but we can. We can do two things at once. We could both be pliable toward God and defiant toward the things of the world. Amen. Let's go to 1 Kings 22. We're going to pick up in verse 13. Come on. Y'all got to love this. If you know where I'm going, you got to love this. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. He is pliable to the will of God, and he is defiant against the enemy of God. Verse 15. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. You got to love the humor here. I mean, it's funny. Yes, go up. Go up and be victorious. Please, go. (laughs) Please, hurry along now. Look, verse 16. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Very well. Let's uh, Let's look at Psalm 37 in verse 4. Actually, before we go there, yeah, Micaiah, he does speak to him the truth, doesn't he? He tells them exactly what's going to happen. I seen uh, Israel without a shepherd. I seen them like sheep scattered on a hill without a shepherd. 
And as he is prophesying the truth, he is standing firm. He's being pliable to God, and he's being stubborn and obstinate and having a holy defiance toward the enemy of God. It's going to mean something for him. The king says, put him in jail and don't release him until I return. And Micaiah's last recorded words is, if you ever return, then I have not heard from the Lord. Saints, he was basically prophesying, looks like I ain't getting out. (laughs) Guess it's just bread and water in jail for me. But he had a holy defiance. He had a holy defiance that we can read about, and that gets set deep down in my heart. That's something I'm looking at Micaiah, and I'm saying, Micaiah, let this spirit rise up inside of you. Have a holy defiance toward the things of the world, and have a pliability toward God that is pleasing to him alone. Look at how pliable... Psalm 37, verse 4. Let's take a look at that. This is, this is the word pliable in the Hebrew. Can y'all say anag? Anag. The, sorry, Justin. I apologize. Yeah. Delight yourself. Have y'all ever read this verse before? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That word delight is the word anag, and it means to be soft to be pliable, to be completely rolling in the right direction wherever the Lord tells you to go. So just like the men in Micaiah's day, he surrounded himself with men that just wanted to hear. He wanted to hear a certain thing. Yes, men. I want yes, men all around me. We're not yes, men in here. No. We're not yes, men to the world. Y'all look at 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths as for you always be sober-minded you know what the niv says keep your head yes endure suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry men of the world surround themselves with yes men everywhere you've ever worked they surround themselves with those who will say yes to them, who will do whatever, or you can, you can, there's the door. We're not like that. Micaiah wasn't like that. That's not the spirit in which we walk. Amen. We don't walk in timidity, but we walk in a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Amen. So we're going to keep moving along here, and we're going to go to 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Say men of war as you're turning there. Men of war. Come on. We ain't done yet. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Saints, you got to love John. His ability to make things very plain for us when sometimes it, it feels complicated, it feels like, can we have a little bit of both? No. no. 
You must be pliable toward God and have a holy defiance toward the things of the world. So if you find yourself getting hindered by worldly desires, this is a sure sign that you're not being pliable toward God. That's good. You're actually being obstinate. You're being pliable toward the things of the world and you're being obstinate toward God. If you find that in your life, shake it off, repent, and rise up as a man of war. Look, do the will of God. Be pliable toward him and it will make, defiant, it will make you defiant toward the things of this world. But I have to ask you a question. I've been preaching for 44 minutes now. What is all this for? What is it, what is it, why do we need to, be, to consecrate these words and stand up in this way? Why do we need to be reminded that we bear the image of God? For what? Because sons need to be restored to the Father's house. They need to be restored to the Father's image. We are not the only ones, saints. We have to have this kind of attitude because there's more. There are others out there that were in the same kind of slavery that we were in that are making themselves pliable. They're being oppressed. They're being worked on day in and day out, giving way to the taunts. And we're not just talking about the lost. We're talking about believers. We're talking about those who want to do the will of God but are cowering in fear. Saints, we must bear the image so that they can see it inside of us and they can rise up. Let's go to Romans 8, and we're going to pick up in 18 in the ESV. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Amen. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Yes. Let's try that again. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Amen. Yes. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Come on. All of creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Can y'all say one more son, Lord? One more son, Lord. There's an obstinance inside of us because... Other people need what we have. Yeah. There's an obstinance towards the, things of the, towards the things of the world and an obstinance to go. Paul says, I'm pressing on towards the goal yes. for, which I, for which Christ Jesus has called me. Amen. Heavenward. Are we the only sons? No. There's more that the Father desires. We rise up as men of war. Do we do it for ourselves? No. Saul, Eli, uh, Eliab, David, none of the actions were motivated so that the people of Israel would be promoted. That, that the people of Israel, would, they would have their brothers in mind. Y'all get what I'm saying? Listen, what my brother is saying <laughs> is that David was saying... For the sons of God, I will go out and face this man. Thank you. What David is saying is, one more son. Father, help me get one more son. Can you hear that? This yes. is what it means to be a man of war. To say, I'm going to continue to lay my life down. This is why we talked about Desmond Doss. This was a man who literally was crying out, one more time. 
one more. Let me go get one more, Lord. And he did. And he did it again and again. He was more than a conqueror, saints. Yes. This is how the kingdom spreads. And this is how God's right order is established. Sons are restored, and the order of God is established, taking us all the way back to Genesis 1 and why he marked men with his image. For our final passage, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. Come on. Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times. Can y'all say all times? All times. In the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So we got a slide for you. Woo! Right at the end of the message, saints. Thank you, Pastor Wade. Everybody say, thank you, Pastor Wade. Thank you, Pastor Wade. There we go. Let's talk about the armor of God. We've got the belt of truth, right? This is Jesus pointing the people back to God's original plan. This is Jesus telling them, hey, give back to God what belongs to God. we got the breastplate of righteousness. This is Micaiah holding out the righteous standard no matter what it costs for him. we got the boots of readiness, the gospel of peace. This is Paul remembering the gospel that brings freedom. He does not give way for a moment. We got the shield of faith in David rushing to the battle line with no physical armor. No physical armor, no weaponry of this world. He is running forward full of faith. The helmet of salvation, it's Jehoshaphat dependent solely on the salvation of God. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you, Lord. You got the sword of the spirit, which is the word. Who better than Jesus? Fighting the lies of the enemy with the word. Every twisting, every perversion. And we have praying in the spirit. The church in Acts praying for great boldness to do it again. Lord, embolden us one more time for one more son that your image might mark us. So we say, saints, we say men of war, put your armor on. To restore the sons of God and to establish God's right order. Y'all stay with me. You are the homiletic and you're about to pray for a lot more people than you expected. When you look at these men, they are the work product of both this house and interaction with the very word of God and spirit of God. I have no desire to to reminisce about all that they were at one point because they're new creations in Christ. But can I tell you that they weren't the lions that you see this evening at one point in time? Nolan, how long have you been at LCM? 14 years, going on 15. Paul, how long have you been here? 
these men have experienced what they're preaching about. These are real convictions inside of them that did not previously exist, and they have both become pliable before the Lord and hardened to the enemy. They're oaks of righteousness. But once upon a time, they were reeds. This is what the transformative work of the gospel can do in a man when you daily choose to push past everything that is between you in achieving this. These men didn't preach this kind of message for our family in this room to hit an altar and weep for a little while. They preached a message that should inspire you to be like David and call your brothers into the battle. Amen. So we're going to have a unique altar call. Before we read this passage, if you are relatively new to this congregation and you're seeing what you can become, seeing men that you want to be like, but you're brave enough to say, I'm overwhelmed. What's going on inside of my head is I see this, it's amazing, I love it, but I'm not sure if I can get there and I can do it like the men that I see. Then I'm going to ask you to find the courage now to stand up and come to this altar. If you can stand in that, find the courage, your God will meet you. Amen. And Paul Rosales is going to pray for you. One brave soul on his birthday. Come on, Ubang. I can't believe that this guy is still single. He's called to be a pastor. You can see it in his eyes. And that calling will be developed. I remember Damon a long time ago. He's not the same human being. This man fights for his brothers. This man works hard in the workplace and is faithful in the word. But they're also staring down the barrel of what they know they must become. Tonight's going to tell you whether you decided to stand or not. You're staring down the barrel of what you must become. Damon, I'm going to ask you to come over here next to Ubong. If you've been here for years upon years, a decade or more, and you're discouraged by an ancient giant that you feel like you've never been able to conquer and you want to win in it. I mean, I'm talking about those of you who have been in this house. And let's be clear, I know exactly who you are because I grew up in this house. And you have things that are waging war against your soul, waging war against your family, waging war against the generations that will come after you, and you've made some measure of progress, but you just are not where you want to be and don't know how to get there. Then come over here to the right of the stage, and Nolan Hewitt is going to pray for you. Before you men descend, can we get Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 on the screen? We're going to keep reading from 3 all the way down to 13. Nolan, would you read it off the screen for me? Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, 
just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended the lower earth, uh, the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens and he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attained the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Saints, can I tell you that these two men are gifts to you? They were captives they were rescued by the Almighty King so that they could prepare and equip you for works of service. Each one of you have been given a measure of God's grace. And I'm speaking to those that had the courage to walk up here and stand as much as those of you who are sitting in your seats. Today when we pray, we're going to summon the courage and the belief that he will bring you to the full manhood of Christ Jesus. No longer are we staying where we're at. Our God will bring us further, and we will have faith to trust him in it. This house will produce generations of ministers, those who will fight for their brothers to receive their inheritance. Amen. Tonight, we start by believing what they spoke to us, that we can operate in that same spirit and that God will move through us and break our own barriers as we believe that he will transform us and then everyone else. Amen. So as we stand to our feet, those of you who are in your seats, begin to worship, begin to pray. Pastors and elders, if you would join Paul and Nolan as they begin to pray for these two groups. We're going to intercede for this genuine God-born family that will, in the name of Jesus, break through barriers that have not been broken tonight. Mighty one, we thank you that you have bound us together. Lord, that we are one family in one faith. Lord, we thank you for the bravery of men and women who will run to their father and ask for help. Lord, we're asking that you would pour out a measure of your spirit this evening in the same way that you poured a horn of oil over David. Lord, that something would change right now. Lord, you formed these men to be kings. You formed them to fight battles for their brother's sake. Lord, we're asking for a holy anointing in it this evening. Lord, that something would rise inside of us that says, no more, I will not listen to the taunts of the enemy. I will take my stand and I will call my brothers to join me. Soon that I